1: Hey, what's going on? It's Billy Hollowell and welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast. I am excited to dive into today's show. We've got a great show for you, but I wanted to actually just point you to some really good articles. We've got a lot of great content. Every day I am writing things over on the Pure Flix Insider blog over at insider.pureflix.com. We have Bible verse lists. We have interviews. There is so much over on the Pure Flix Insider. So again, it's insider.pureflix.com. I would encourage you to head over check that out but there are some stories that i think are really important you know a lot of us right now in this country are struggling there's a lot happening culturally right now and in the midst of all of this we've tried to find some really inspiring content for you we have uh, one article titled five viral moments that will inspire you and you just get a chance to see the things you might not see in the media right the the uplifting moments the moments of kindness between human beings, between police officers and between protesters, and there's just so much um, happening in there. And so we've pulled some of that together for you. We also have another piece, because I know a lot of people right now are struggling with fear, right? there, There's a lot of fear and misunderstanding, and so we have seven Bible verses to help you fight fear amid chaos. And I want to just Dive into a couple of these verses before we get into our interview today, and we're going to be talking with Jeff Kinley. If you don't know Jeff Kinley, he is the author of—I think he's written like 30 books. I mean, he's a prolific author. His latest book is "Interview with the Antichrist," which is really as interesting as it sounds. It's it's a fascinating book. Uh, so we're going to be talking about all of that. But but before we move into that, <clears throat> you know, when I look at Scripture, I, I well, first of all, before I even get there in life there are so many amazing moments, there are so many painful moments, right? And when we're in the midst of that struggle, when we're crying out to God, trying to figure out how are we are going to move forward, how are we going to get through this, there is so much in Scripture, not only Bible verses that we can point to, but also stories and real-life stories, things that people went through that are timeless. And you look at King David, and you look at the mistakes that King David made, um, and, and you look at not only the mistakes that people make, but but the victories. I think one of the things that sets the Bible apart from any other book of its, of its kind, any other religious text, if you will— Is that it pinpoints the negatives? You don't often see that, right? That the negatives, the things people had to overcome and, and move past. And that helps me in my journey because I know I'm not perfect and I know none of us are perfect. Yet we have this book filled with real life events and with real life struggles and with real life victories. And also, errors and the impact of those errors. And so when we dive into the scripture, though, we see so many Bible verses telling us to turn our attention to God, that no matter what happens to put our fear, our worries aside and to put our trust in him. And so when I look at Philippians 4, 6, and this is a famous verse, but I want to read it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I think about it and I'm like, man, prayer and petition, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the anxiety is, To turn to God in prayer, and I think we forget to do that sometimes, and that is so, so important. And I look at other verses like 2 Timothy one seven, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And I think about those attributes, and I think about my own life at times when I haven't had love or self-discipline, and the need to turn to God, and the need to ask for God's guidance, and to have that peace that we can only get from Him. So you can find that story as well as seven Bible verses to help you fight fear amid chaos over at insider. Pureflix.com. Now, I want to turn your attention to this amazing interview that we're about to do here with Jeff Kinley. Now, Jeff is somebody I've known for years. Um, in fact, I recently had a chance to sit down with him and actually get to know him in person. We've gotten to know each other virtually and through email over the years, uh, but he is a prolific author. He writes a lot about the end times, and so I wanted to sit down with him and talk to him about the theology of the end times, how we're supposed to process that as Christians, and really how we're supposed to understand Scripture in light of what has been going on in our world for thousands of years, obviously, but, but what's happening you know, now? What are the signs that could be out there? Um, and, and this is something that's been getting a lot of coverage in Christian circles, um, at least in some facets of Christian circles, but sometimes we don't talk about it. It's not always a topic at the forefront of discussion, and so there are so many different views on it. But with no further ado, let's dive in to our discussion with author Jeff Kinley. All right, Jeff, how's it going today? Great, Billy. It's good to finally meet. (laughs) So you and I have known each other for, I don't know... 10, eight years, seven, I don't even, a long time. The longest digital friends in the history exactly. of man. Exactly. I exactly. Mean, it's crazy. I mean, you even connected me to the literary agent I work with. I mean, we've, we've, you in fact were a huge interview subject for me for stories that I did mm-hmm. at The Blaze and also the first book I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've worked together yep. for a while and Absolutely. this is the first time we've been face to face, which is awesome. Of paths, finally. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I've got a lot to talk with you about, but, and, and you've always got, a perspective that I find fascinating when it comes to the end times, right? This this topic that gets nowhere near enough attention in culture, um, I think—well, I'm not going to tell you what I think. I want to know what you think. Why, why do you think that is, right? We've got a topic that everybody's interested in, but yet nobody's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Why?
2: Well, I, th- I think it's in both secular culture and in the church. I mean, in the in the world out there. I mean, forty one percent of Americans think we're living in the end times. You know, with this whole climate change alarm thing. I mean, it's got this consciousness of whoa, what's going to happen to the earth and you know, existential threat of humanity. We have
1: know? like two years left before we all die. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you keep hearing this stuff. Yeah, right? well, in yeah. fact,
2: the the whole atomic clock thing. You know, they yeah. upped it to like two minutes to midnight. I don't of know of. how it hasn't hit midnight. Yeah, it's like every year it gets closer. But you've, <laughs> I know, it's you like, keep hearing the ticking of the second hand. <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, there's there's. Consciousness out there, I think that people are feel like the world's in peril. Where where really is the hope? And then among believers, it's like we we know that Jesus is coming back, but no one's talking about what happens in between that time. I mean what what ramps up to that? Is there this event that's gonna happen or whatever? And so pastors and youth pastors and people like that just kind of avoid the whole topic of revelation. And what it leaves, Billy, it leaves us in a state of confusion, fear, anxiety, and then speculation. To where we just kind of like, we'll believe anything people tell us because we don't know what
1: to believe. Right. Or or we'll just avoid it. I mean, this this notion of avoiding, and I think probably because Harold Camping and some of these people who come out and they, right. which we the Bible flat out says, don't, the day and the hour you don't know, don't right. go telling people the day and hour. So when somebody like Harold Camping does that. Yeah. I think what it does is it gives a bad name to every Absolutely. part of the discussion. Yeah, it's right? like a
2: black eye to right. people who are actually telling the truth about right. what God says.
1: Yeah. And and it's crazy to me. And you were one of the people who opened my eyes to this because before I was writing the book and looking at it, and you know, the Armageddon Co. was a book I wrote on it years ago. I just I I thought about it, but not a lot. And and then hearing from you how important it is, you look at the Bible. I mean, prophecy in the Bible, obviously Jesus, the Old yeah, Testament prophecies right. about Jesus. It's an insanely huge part of Scripture. Yeah, it
2: really is. It's almost 30% of the Bible. And what's crazy to me is that when you look at those Old Testament prophecies, every one of them, came true literally and exactly as God said it would. And I always like to say, you know, the Bible's batting a thousand. I mean, it's never hit a foul ball. It's never swung and missed or anything. So why should we not believe that the remaining prophecies are going to happen exactly as God said they would?
1: And it's interesting too, you know, you've always been very careful and cautious. Those are the words I'll use in how you talk about it, right? I think it's really healthy to say, this is what I think the Bible is saying. We don't know exactly how it will unfold, but this is what I think the bigger events are going to be, right? Um... For you, and I know I've asked you this before, but I want to revisit, like, what... What is it that drives the passion and interest in this topic for you?
2: That's a great question. I think part of it is just simply the sense of, of knowing that we are living in the last days. Uh, with Israel being reborn as a nation, that's really God's super sign.
1: Well, not Jerusalem. Yeah, exactly. The capital. I mean, it's very interesting, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, there's so many things that are happening almost daily around the world uh, that it's almost like you'd have to almost be living under a rock not to notice it, not to be conscious what's going on. But then when you know the Bible, you go, wait a minute. God actually tells us what's going to happen, and he tells us how to prepare for that. And I think, as you said earlier, with so much senseless speculation that goes on sometimes, I almost want to, Swing the pendulum to the other side and be cautious about that. Say, look, you know, we need to be reasoned, we need to be seasoned, we need to be biblical about the way we address these topics, because if we don't, people are just gonna just put us in those same camps of those people that are just making all these crazy claims. And of course those sell books sometimes, those crazy claims. Right, right?
1: yeah. Yeah, they did. But
2: but we have to stand before the Lord and have a sense of stewardship about our life and what we did with his word. So that's one of the reasons why I'm very, very cautious about it. There's sanctified speculation and then there's just speculation.
1: Yeah. Well and you're you're one of my favorite authors for a lot of different reasons. And you've written 32 books. I mean, that's crazy (laughs) to me. That's insanity. Uh, Because anybody who's written a book, the amount of effort and time and you you pour yourself in, into a project like that. And this is a topic you've covered a lot. Now your new book interview with an antichrist. It's, It's a little different from some of the other books. There's some interesting elements. Tell us a little bit about the book.
2: Yeah, I mean, as opposed to being sort of the straight up, this is what the Bible says kind of thing, I chose to go the route of writing a narrative, an end-time narrative, and it takes place uh, during the seven-year tribulation period that the Bible talks about. It's all about the Antichrist and a young journalist named Julian who gets into the inner circle who's been tasked to write his memoir, to write his his official autobiography. Uh, The thing that I set out from the very beginning to do, Billy, is to make sure it's not a cheesy Christian novel. You know, I didn't want people to go, oh gosh, not in one of those, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's very dark. It's spine tingling at points, but it's very biblically based. And uh, I sort of had a millennial focus group that I, I would, would you know, farm these chapters out to, give me your impressions. And they were like, no, you're hitting a home run on this thing. You're not insulting our intelligence, but you're also educating us about what these times are going to be like. So I wrote it to sort of be like almost like a breadcrumb trail leading to the end of the book where I give these 30 compelling, uh, intriguing questions about the actual Antichrist answer from Scripture.
1: And what so for you, at the end of this book, right, because that's really unique. It's a unique approach to the topic. What's your hope for what people take away from it? Absolutely. That's a great question. Uh,
2: One, I hope they're informed. Uh, I hope they're enlightened about what the Bible says. Uh, I hope they're stimulated in their hearts to want to know more about it and dig deeper into the scripture. Uh, This book is also a real tool, I think, Billy, to give to a non-Christian friend and maybe likes a dark narrative or whatever, or to the nominal Christian or whatever. Uh, But also at the very end of the book, uh, I talk about, you know, you want to avoid this time when the Antichrist is reigning on the earth. So how do you do that? And I believe that God is going to rescue the church through the rapture. And so I give people an opportunity to really call on Jesus. And so there really is an evangelical evangelistic tool uh, as well. So the, you know, those three things, those three or four things, I really want people to take away. And again, just to use this as a tool in our culture.
1: Yeah, It's so interesting you bring up the rapture because the thing that stands out to me the most of working on the book I worked on was that that topic is the most fiery I mean, the way people react to the debate around the rapture, it's as though it is the biggest salvation issue in the world. And, you know, especially people who don't believe that the rapture is in the Bible. They don't believe you see it there. They have their own perspective on it. That the The anger that some of those people had in interviews was really palpable, and it was very interesting to me because even with that anger, most people would say, well, it's not really a salvation issue. So mm-hmm. you kind of had this conversation of, I believe this is what the Bible says or doesn't right. say. It's not a salvation issue, but I'm really mad that yeah. people don't agree. Why do you think there's that level yeah. of anger over it? Yeah.
2: I think one of the reasons is because the, you know, when the Left Behind series came out, you, know, you had uh, late great planet Earth you know, back in the, in the 70s and that type of thing. Those were times where people were really kind of like rediscovering the rapture and and what the Bible actually says about it. But again, you have these people that swing the pendulum all the way to the other end, and it's like, let's have rapture practice. Everybody jump up and down, you know, kind of thing. And they kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know, make a, a they
1: caricature. they herald camp camping it, yeah, yeah. exactly, Campanize herald, it, yeah, campanizing <laughs> it, exactly. And so you get kind of that, you
2: know, camp of people that do that. So it sort of again gives it sort of a black eye. But um, in one of my books, Wake the Bride, I talk about I have an old chapter called Grounding the Rapture and all. The arguments against the yes, rapture, another
1: great book, know?
2: and uh, just talking about how we we can trace this belief all the way back to the early church, and you know, again, it, of course, it's not a salvation issue, but it is an important issue. Yeah, and if it's going to happen, then we should know about it,
1: and and be educated on it, right? Yeah. And what the Bible says about it. Now, Absolutely. the Antichrist, obviously, a centerpiece of your of your latest book. This is another issue where there are so many perspectives, and it fascinates yeah. me that. You know, one of, the, one of the more interesting perspectives is that the, anti, the different types of Antichrist, that people yeah. kind of see the Antichrist repeatedly appearing in different forms, you know, epiphanies, Epiphanes. Right. And yep. You go down and that there will be a final. Now, then some people don't believe there'll be a, a final Antichrist. Right. And, right. and so you have all those perspectives. What for you convinces you that the, no, the Bible is pretty clear on this?
2: Yeah, well, one thing is he's the most talked about end times figure uh, in Scripture other than Jesus Christ himself over 100 passages in the Bible about Antichrist, uh, 36 times he's called the beast uh, in the book of Revelation. Uh, We have obviously John mentioning five times in his epistles the word Antichrist, so he's there. That enough is enough reason to believe that that he's real. But then when you get into what a strategic figure he is in the end times, and from even a deeper standpoint, you know this from your own study in, in demons and spiritual warfare, is that Satan has always wanted to rule the world. I mean, that's been his endgame from day one. I mean, from his rebellion in heaven uh, all the way to his casting down the earth and, you know, through Nimrod and through the Pharaohs and through the Caesars, Antiochus Epiphanes. I mean, you go all the way through history uh, to Hitler. Satan has always wanted to rule the world through a person. And through Antichrist, he's going to finally have his wish. Now... That's going to be interrupted by the second coming of Jesus Christ, fortunately for us, you know. Uh, but at the same time, it really drives the narrative. So that is the the mystique behind I like to say that, you know, the, the Antichrist will have the charisma of John F. Kennedy, the mystique of Barack Obama,
1: and the arrogance of Alexander <laughs> the Great, or Donald Trump, depending on where you stand on the political issue, you know. Or maybe a mixture of the two. <laughs> yeah, right? a mixture of all of them. Uh, because, yeah, even people who love Trump or hate, they, yeah. everyone agrees. Yeah. There's a little arrogance oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, uh, so it's, uh, we, we don't need to go into the Trump <laughs> conference. I've been having, I feel like every interview, it's like, a, you yeah. know, a mom devotional. We are to end up talking about Trump. Oh, yeah. Uh, but so when I, when I look at it and I look at this discussion about the Antichrist, when in Revelation, the beast of the land, the beast of the sea, I feel like it's one of the most overlooked parts of the discussion. For you, you're obviously very familiar with it. I think most people who study it are. But this this discussion of two different figures, mm-hmm. do you want to clear that up for people at yeah. all? Because I think it's super interesting.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear. The Bible describes two figures in the end times, uh, the Antichrist and what we call the false prophet, uh, one arises out of out of the sea, the Sea of Humanity, the Gentiles, the other out of the land. And pe- some people say, well, that's going to be Israel. He's going to be a Jew kind of thing. I really just take it to be he's just going to come out of humanity itself. But he's going to be the, the primary PR man, if you will, for the Antichrist. Like you can and trust him. Like, you know, oh, he's yeah, a good absolutely. guy. He, he's going to be slick. He's going to talk about marketing, man. This guy's right. going to know how to do it. And he's going to be the one that's going to enforce the policies, the economic and religious policies, of the Antichrist. So, you really have this unholy trinity, as it were, you know, Satan.
1: Again mocking the, the trinity of Christ, Absolutely. right, yeah.
2: And that, and that plays into the whole word anti. Anti means in place of, right, or it means against, and the Antichrist will really be both. And so, this false prophet figure, which I, I talked uh, in the book, not as much as the Antichrist, of course, uh, but the, he has a very nefarious role in this whole narrative, and I think through the book you see this transformation happening, even within the Antichrist figure, uh, from his political risings all the way to the end of the book.
1: Well, and it's interesting, and we don't need to get into the theories, but there's lots of theories about who this PR man might be, um, and it does it does appeal to me in terms of, make sen- it makes sense to me that that person would be a religious leader of some sort, possibly, possibly mm-hmm. because it becomes much easier. It's, if not a religious leader, somebody who has control over a lot of people right. so that they right. can say, hey, group of large people, yeah. look over here, right? Yeah. And so those theories are really interesting to me. Yeah,
2: they are. In fact, you know, one of the, the kind of the imageries I use is like we have that, like the silhouette of the Antichrist. We just don't have the face of him. You know, we've got his MO, uh, we've got his character sketch, and the same with the false prophet. Uh, so we have there's a lot of missing blanks that the Bible, you know, doesn't fill in for us. And obviously, Daniel even talked about that seal up this this prophecy until the end of time. And I think that, you know, once the rapture happens, the antichrist will be revealed, false prophet eventually will be revealed. But trying to make an identification of that, you know right now is is futile because it just can't be done. And, you know, have people have tried to identify the Antichrist with everybody from Kennedy to Kissinger to, you know, someone said the other day, you think it's Hillary? And it's like, well, no, it's not Hillary well, for some two you, reasons.
1: I, I, right. Yeah. No,
2: was, she's, you know, first of all, he's a man, right. not, not a woman. Exactly. And secondly, even Hillary's not that evil, right? no matter what you think exactly. about Hillary. Exactly. You know, she's not Antichrist she's, evil. Yeah, or yeah, she's not that far <laughs> not possessed by Satan. So.
1: Yeah. it's It's interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, so... You know, years ago, you've written a bunch of books that talk about culture, kind of where culture is, right? And what's crazy is, unfortunately, since, and what, what, what year was the Noah book? Uh,
2: 2014.
1: So yeah. 2014, yeah. here we are six years later, yeah. and culture's gotten a lot worse in six years. Could you have imagined that it would have descended as much as it has since you wrote that
2: Actually, yes. Only because I'm probably a pessimist in some ways, you know. (laughs) But I mean, I look at Scripture. I look at the days of Noah. I see things continually getting darker uh, in our culture. But here's the great news, Billy: is the darker the night, the brighter the light shines. And I think it's one of the most compelling opportunities for believers right now because Jesus said, "You are the light of the world," and all we have to do is just be a little bit of a light in this dark culture, and we shine for Him. So I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, The you know the first century church is experiencing was experiencing a lot of things that we're beginning to experience in terms of marginalization, in terms of persecution, even uh, being made fun of. You know, it's actually good
1: for the church in some way, right? Yeah, I think we. I think we. Nobody wants to go through it. Don't get me wrong. But I think yeah. Listen, I live in New York, so you can imagine what every day is like. And I sit there and I think to myself, you know, and it's hard because your friends and loved ones who don't agree with you. You know, they kind of have to say, well, we know you're not a bad person. And we know, you know, so it's just these (laughs) conversations are interesting. Right. But um, when I look at all of it, I just I I do worry about the future for our kids and those. But again, it forces us to make sure we're really preparing, you know, Christian when you have cultural Christianity, it's really easy to be complacent. That's right, and we have been. Which is yeah. how we part of the reason we are where we are. That's right. And
2: I think that's what these times are doing for us. They're kind of causing a separation. You, either, it's time, as we say in the South, fisher cut bait. You know, it's time to get on board with Jesus, get all in. And I even told this group of high school students at this school I spoke at five hundred students. I just said, look, you are born for this moment. Don't be afraid of this moment. Engage it, embrace it, and go out there and be the light of Jesus Christ to this world. And I think. Tools like this book are, are just a way to build a bridge to that culture to help get that message out.
1: Yeah, it's so important. And I think, you know, having the conversation about the theology, understanding it, and I love that you chose the novel form because that's engaging, right? It's it's a different way. You've, you've done it in every single way now, which I think is really fascinating, like just different approaches to yeah. it. Um, where can people— find the book
2: yeah anywhere books are sold amazon that's gtb. always the com. answer
1: right yeah, anywhere amazon amazon. <laughs> amazon i feel like yeah that's yeah <laughs> barnes and noble just amazon, go amazon, amazon. Yeah. just go to amazon <laughs> yeah exactly i'm sure i'm sure publishers are like oh you know but hey listen it's the way the publishing world that's works right. now um all right well great this has been awesome i could talk to you for three hours about this stuff Absolutely. i mean it's it's just it's so incredibly important well actually i, lied. I want one, one more question yeah. for you If you could speak to people right now who are listening who might be like, yeah, but, you know, why do we need to focus so heavily on it? Like, they're still skeptical. Like, what would you say to them?
2: I would just say this is that, you know, John tells us, 1st John tells us that the spirit of Antichrist was alive even in the first century. And If you're going to be an informed Christian, you need to know how Satan works, and we can actually recognize some of that spirit of Antichrist in our culture today. Again, that keeps us informed, and it keeps us on our guard, and it it keeps us with clarity and confidence to live in this world. Uh, And you know this, when you study about these sort of dark things, it only makes you stronger in your faith. And So I would just say this would be an equipping tool to strengthen your faith. Because prophecy never breeds fear, it only builds faith.
1: I love it.
0: I'm glad I asked you that question. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Billy. Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family-friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free trial. From kids' content to some of the most uplifting films, We've got your entire family covered. Sign up today.
1: Welcome back to the Pure Flix podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell, and I wanted to point your attention to Beautiful Lives. It's a new series we have over at Pure Flix. This is an interview series starring Abby Johnson. You may know her from the film Unplanned. It's about her life, actually, and it's based on her book, also called Unplanned. Now, Beautiful Lives is a series where where Abby sits down. In the first episode, I actually sit down with Abby, and we talk through her story of leaving the clinic that she worked at behind, becoming a pro-life advocate. And then she sits down with four other women who, in some capacity, worked in the abortion industry. And those women's stories are really incredible. They, they had left for some reason. There was something about that experience that made them leave. They've changed their lives. They're all Christians and it's a really powerful series, and you can actually watch it right now. If you go to pureflix.com slash lives. you can watch the series, and you can do it with a free trial. If you're not a current member of PureFlix, you can sign up for a trial and check it out. Watch the series. Let me know what you think. We hope that it leaves people inspired and thinking deeper about the fact that life really matters. And so I'm hoping you'll also head over to insider.pureflix.com for more daily inspiring content. We are so grateful for those of you who are members, for those of you who listen to this show, who head over to the blog, um, I would just encourage you to do that. We we really are putting out a lot of amazing, fulfilling content that is great for you, great for your family, and we hope you'll you'll check it out. Pureflix.com and Insider.Pureflix.com. Tune in next time for another episode of the Pureflix Podcast.
0: That's all for today's podcast. You can follow Pure Flix on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pure Flix and on Twitter at Pure Flix. And be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for thousands of faith and family friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix podcast.